Welcome to Rivers in the Desert International, a revival ministry dedicated to bringing the living waters of God's love to a hurting and dying world. It is our desire as you listen to the following message that the Holy Spirit will fill you afresh and that you would be ignited into a fervency for Jesus. This is the day to be filled with the knowledge of His glory as the waters cover the sea. God is doing something new on planet Earth today, and you and I have the great privilege to be a part of it. We love you. Be blessed. spiritual warfare tonight. So we begin in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Hallelujah. Last night I was on the streets with Pastor and his wife and uh, his son and the Lord told me you're out on a scouting mission tonight. Probing. Probing the enemy lines, finding out what the stronghold, so to speak, is over this region and how we can attack that command center, bring down those strongholds. Hallelujah. Tonight we're talking about spiritual warfare, maybe from a different perspective you've ever heard it from before. Um, I've done a lot of study on spiritual warfare, and I found out a lot of it was spiritual hocus-pocus. <laughs> and uh, so I want to cut through all that stuff and get right to the hard issue about reaching souls in this region. Hallelujah. Amen? That's what it's all about, folks. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 4, the first thing, let me just give you some background. Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy is an apostle. Timothy is about to overtake the, the care and the burden and the direction of oversight of all the churches under Paul's ministry. And 1 Timothy was the first epistle or letter written to Timothy. And then 2 Timothy is the second one written right before Paul left to be with Jesus. And so we're going to see some the heart of a father to a son entrusting him with some very powerful treasures. And let's look at that. Verse 4, it says, I'm reading from the New American Standard. Or verse 3, I urge you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on in Ephesus in order that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines. The first thing he says to Timothy after the salutation is strange doctrines goes on and says in verse 4, or pay attention to myths and endless genealogies which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God which is by faith. You want to highlight the word speculation tonight. Speculations. Verse 5, but the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a good conscience and sincere faith. For some men straying from these things have turned aside to fruitless discussions. So here we see discussions, speculations, myths, genealogies, wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they do not understand what they are saying or matters by what they make confident assertions. It talks about Paul talking about the reason why the law is given. And then in verse 18, he says, This I command, or I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may fight the good fight. Hallelujah. So Paul is depositing, the Greek word here for entrust is a banking term. It means making a deposit in a safety, in a safety deposit box type thing where it cannot be stolen. This I command, I deposit, I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, 
in accordance with the prophecies made previously concerning you, that by these prophecies, or these, you know, powerful tongues interpretation, word of knowledge, whatever was given to Timothy, that by them you may fight the good fight. The word good fight here is military expedition or campaign. Hallelujah. So we're doing these meetings, folks, not just to get blessed. Amen? We're on a military expedition for lost souls. Glory to God. And just turn the Rolodex around in your mind. Turn to A. Hallelujah. We're the number one thing we're going after is souls. The reason, that's the reason for these meetings. That's the reason we're staying here. That's the reason why we're extending them. Amen? Hallelujah. And I began, we were going down 8th Street last night and witnessing to people. And I think the first person we met was a, a lady that was a minister with some of, what's the name of that church? United Church. And then we met other people on the streets. And then lots of young people. And then the last place we were was in front of these occultic bookstores. Uh, there and then uh, uh, there on Broadway, and uh, I just got a sense of being up and down Broadway last night that there's uh, what the stronghold is in this city. I mean, it's not the only stronghold, but if you understand something, strongholds go over regions. If I go to New York City, the stronghold is much different. It's greed, folks. It's the love of money there in New York City. If I go down to Delaware, it's laziness. I mean, when Paul wrote to Titus, he told, hey, Christians, man, they're, they're lazy. We'll get into this in just a moment here. Fighting the good fight. Let's go on here in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. The Spirit explicitly says that in the latter time, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits, and doctrines of demons. And it talks about what these things are. And in verse 6 it says, In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of faith and of sound doctrine, which you have been following. Verse 7, But have nothing to do with worldly fables fit for only old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. So here he's writing to Timothy again. Here we're talking about doctrines, fables, myths, speculations. Hallelujah. You all still out there? Yeah. Hallelujah. It goes on and says here in chapter 6 and verse 3, If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing, but he has morbid interest in controversial questions. We ran into some of those demons last night, I'll tell you. Disputes about words out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, and evil suspicions. A constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. So it talks about, we'll keep on reading here, this is good stuff. Godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. We have brought nothing into the world. We cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, not money, but the love of it, is the root of all sorts of evil. 
Some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. It's interesting in Proverbs chapter 10, it says, The blessings of the Lord make, make it rich and adds no sorrow with it. Amen? It goes on, it says here in verse 11, But flee from these things, you men of God, and pursue righteousness. The word pursue there means to hunt. Hunt after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. There it is again, fighting the good fight of faith. And in, chapter, in verse 20, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. Paul is writing again. There's been a deposit to you, these prophecies. Guard them like a bank would guard its deposits. And then the next, the same theme comes up again. Avoid worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and thus gone away from the faith. Grace be to you. You may say, where, Scott, where are you coming from tonight? Well, hang in here. Hallelujah. We're going in a different angle of spiritual warfare maybe that you never heard before. 2 Timothy comes up. And again, verse 14 of chapter 1. Guard through the Holy Spirit which dwells in you, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. What is this treasure Paul's been writing about to Timothy? It's the treasure of Holy Ghost doctrine. Hallelujah. Amen. It's the Word of God. Proper teaching. Proper revelation of the Scriptures. He talks about these other things here. And then again, in verse 14 of chapter 2, he starts talking about knowledge or arguments or myths or speculations. Again, look at this, verse 14. You didn't know there's this much in there, did you? <laughs> Remind them of these things. Solomon charged them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed Rightly handling the word of truth. We have to know the word for spiritual warfare, folks. Verse 16 again. Here it is again. Avoid worldly and empty chatter. It'll lead to further ungodliness. And their talk will spread like gangrene. Verse 19. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord abstain from wickedness. Now in a large house there's not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware, some to honor and dishonor. Therefore, if a man cleanses himself from these things, he'll be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now flee youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, Peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. This is the last words Paul is giving to Timothy before he goes to heaven. And again in verse 23, he talks about speculations and myths. But refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing they produce quarrels. Today I looked up in the Greek, by the way, I'll just mention it to you again if you'd like to know about this. It's a linguistic key to the Greek New Testament. Uh, publisher Zondervan, Fritz Rineker, and a uh, tremendous little tool. You don't have to go to school for Greek. Just get this little, this little 
this little thing here. I tell you, it's powerful. You ever have a question, you just open it up, and it just broadens your horizon about Because English is a very poor language for translation. Greek, and that's why God chose Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. And it just sees certain word pictures that come out. It's awesome. But here in the imperative, this is a command. Let me just explain, and I've mentioned this many times before, imperative means command in the English language. There's past tense, there's present tense. I mean, there's the participles. I mean, all this stuff you can learn in English. But when something is said in command, it's in the imperative tense. The word imperative comes from the Latin word emperor. Meaning if the emperor says something, you better do it or your head's going to roll, right? So we get from emperor the tense called imperative, which means a command. An absolute command that cannot be avoided. So Paul is giving an absolute command in the strongest language here. Timothy, refuse foolish and ignorant speculations knowing they produce quarrels. Here we can see the beginning of how demonic strongholds begin. Look, keep your finger here, okay? Look at James chapter 3. James chapter 3 shows us talking about the tongue. Verse 8 it says, But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. It goes on and says in verse 14, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. The idea of selfishness here comes from the Greek term of political party. A faction. How do factions start? By speculations. By controversies. That's how people get divided. So we can see that the, the seedbed for demonic strongholds, who cares what the ruling spirit is over this city? Hallelujah, I can care less. we got authority over him, amen? Our main stronghold is in the minds of the people we're going after. We'll read that in a moment from Corinthians. Pulling down strongholds, speculations, everything that rises up against the knowledge of God. But I'd like to share this with you. Um, I experienced this firsthand. I read Rick Renner's book several years ago called, uh, well, we had several, and Brother Hagen publicly said, read these books, they're awesome, whatever. And, uh, he talked about the armor of God. Anyway, whatever. And he says in his book, he describes the wisdom of this world, selfishness and contentions, factions, and how Satan comes in to, to divide believers. And I saw it happen in my church in Brooklyn. It's really not my church, it's his church, but you know what I'm saying. It's not my people, it's his people. What Satan does is he looks for somebody that doesn't have a real strong foundation in the word. But they are kind of mystical or spiritual, okay? And he'll come in and he'll begin to whisper things to that person. Sad to say in the 80s, it's always, it seems to be that a lot of people are dividing the churches where the intercessors just be honest. Intercessors would go and 
they'd hear, quote, quote, something, didn't know how to really test it, and uh, they would go to the pastor and say, well, the Lord told me that you need to do this, this, and this. And the pastor said, well, uh, I appreciate your sister or brother saying that, but God's never told me to do that. And that person would take offense because that word wasn't implemented. Smile. This is good news. <laughs> and so that person would then get upset and with their mouth spread the flame of hell and draw people around them that would agree with them. And then you had a faction develop, a party spirit develop in the church. And then out of that faction is everything demonic. I don't care how much they pray in tongues, how much they fast, how much they do the works of the ministry. If they, are, if they have that party spirit, I tell you what, that's, that's the seedbed for the wisdom of this world. That's what James talks about. And eventually that group will usually will split off. And they'll go other places and split other things up. That's why there's so much, I mean, American politics, folks. Whew. If that ain't demonic, I don't know how it is in Canada. I mean, they go to all extremes, the Republicans versus the Democrats. It's a party spirit that comes in. I saw it happen in our church in Brooklyn. There was a sister that led worship, you know, and she was very spiritual. Very spiritual, but she didn't fully get deliverance, you know, and she began to take on herself that she was the pastor, you know, and we had asked her to sit down, and we asked her to sit down. She wasn't teachable, and she took a whole group with her, and they're still dividing. They're still dividing. In Brooklyn, they're still, they can't get along for six months without dividing again. And what happens, that paralyzes the church. It paralyzes the body in that region to do what God's called them to do. Hello? Hallelujah. And it comes out of speculations. The devil whispers something to somebody. We'll test it. Well, God told me to do this, and God told me that. Well, good. Well, let's test it in the Word first. Amen? If it doesn't line up in here, jettison it or put it on the shelf. We're not led by voices or dreams or visions. We're led by the Word of God. Amen? If I listened to what people prophesied over me, boy, I'd be living in India, married the wrong woman, and wouldn't even be in the ministry probably right now. There has to be an accountability to prophetic words and parking lot prophecies and stuff like that, you know? I mean, where does the... Where did, one pastor wisely said, you know, we're all you know, learning how to hear God's voice in this hour and pray and wait upon Him and move in prophecy, but... Where comes the time where you have to judge the thing, you know? Where do you pastor this thing? So this is what Satan looking for. The reason I mention this is because we're starting to do offensive maneuvers. Like we were doing in Brooklyn. Going, just probing, doing offensive maneuvers. Don't think Satan's going to sit around there and let us steal his treasure, which is his puppets, the unsaved, without coming back. Think about it. Speculations. Okay, let's go on here. Refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing they produce quarrels. For the, the bondservant of the Lord must not be quarrelsome, 
but kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, that perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. That they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Whoa. I just, pictures just come to my mind when I realize it. Look, read this. The word coming to their senses mean, meaning they've been duped by evil influences. Duped by evil influences. I wrote this down in my Bible today. There's three ways that Satan goes after people's senses. Number one, he numbs the conscience. Number two, he confuses the senses. Then number three, he paralyzes the will. I'll repeat that. He numbs the conscience. He confuses the senses and then paralyzes the will. Listen, folks, I just want to encourage you. We're moving into some very deep waters. I mean, we're going all the way. I mean, I talked to you guys tonight. I mean, I'm so encouraged. That, hallelujah. This is a regional thing, folks. Hallelujah. Yes, we are on the winning side, but we have to fight the good fight. We've got to discipline ourselves for godliness. That scripture right here, it says, uh, well, I'm going to get into it later. I'm getting ahead of myself here. I'm getting so excited. How can you get duped? I tell you how. You start watching TV too much. It'll start to numb your conscience. It will. I'm surprised. Just trying to find the weather channel. How much murders I've got to plow through. <laughs> and the occult. And garbage. It's disgusting. I mean, if I lived in Canada and I had cable TV, I think I'd only have about three or four stations. Everything else would be blocked out. And even those three or four, I'd only watch maybe once, you know, you know, once in a blue moon. You know what I mean? Because I don't want my conscience to be seared at all. I don't want to become hardened. I want to, I want to be almost like a virgin, my eyes and my ears to be like a virgin. I want to be innocent what is evil. Amen? Like me, last night we were witnessing to some people, and man, they started saying some things that just, oh, just grated me. I feel like, you're talking about my Jesus there. They don't know what they're saying. They're just calloused. Look at here. Confuse the senses, and then paralyze the will. I know a minister, bless his heart, powerful man of God, that now he's no longer in the ministry. He's left his family, Dying of cancer, hooked on crack, cocaine, and alcoholic. And people say, how could that ever happen? I know how it happened. There was a, just a little crack in the armor. And Satan numbed his conscience. Until eventually he believed a lie. And that believing that lie eventually paralyzed his will, not be able to do God's will anymore. I'm not here to scare anybody, okay? Just because you go out and do street with us, it doesn't mean that your car is going to have break down next week. I rebuke the fear of backlash in Jesus' name. That's why people are afraid to go out and witness, because they're afraid of backlash. Give me a break. 
We better move on here, okay? Verse 1 of chapter 3. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Another translation says, dangerous times will come. Folks, the warning lights are out. They're flashing now. This is no longer as it was in the 70s or the 80s. This is treacherous times. I mean, I met youth last night on the streets that I say, these people are, are like, just, there's no difference between them and New York City youth. Up here in Saskatoon. I saw youth on the streets and witnessing them last night. They were so demon-possessed and so hard in their conscience and so numbed in their will that I said, what's the difference between them and New York City or Miami? There's no difference. Realize this, that difficult times will come. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving. The Greek word means lack of family love, lack of concern for your own family, where creation will care for its own young. But in the last days, there'll be kids and parents that would just be totally alienated. We're seeing that even now. Irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Okay, folks, here we go. <laughs> lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. One way Satan has duped our culture is by the love of sports. The religion of North America is entertainment. Sports and entertainment. You can easily sit there in front of the TV set watching sports and just become totally like a piece of jello. Just numbed. It says here, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, and avoid such men as these. I looked up the Greek word. Paul is telling Timothy, these people who love pleasure more than God, but have a form of religion, but deny his power, he says avoid, and the Greek word is run away as if in horror from these type of people. That's strong words. And he talks about these people, then in verse 14, you don't mind me reading all these scriptures to you tonight. You, however, continue in the things you have learned to become convinced of, verse 14, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, and for correction. It's interesting there that two-thirds of Scripture is for correction. Only one-third is for edification or comfort. Teaching, reproof, correction for training in righteousness. Amen, coach? Where's the coach? Hallelujah. Training in righteousness. That's what these meetings are all about. Amen? Hello? <laughs> We're just not here just to feel some goosebumps. Amen? We're getting trained, all of us. I personally feel the last week since we've been here, since my family arrived, I feel like the Lord taking my life at the threshing floor and filling everything up into the air with a pitchfork. And the wind is separating the chaff from the kernels. I feel every morning, the, I mean, I've been getting up, you know, 
yesterday morning early, two mornings ago, 3.30 in the morning, when we have a baby, that's, she's crying, she's teething right now. Hallelujah, so we're not getting a whole lot of sleep. But the Lord comes and he tells me to get up. I'm there and I need my sleep and I'm battling my flesh. Oh, I need to sleep because I know that baby's going to get up again in a few minutes. And the Lord says, you need to get up. And I get up and just make myself pray. And I feel like the Lord's flushing me, folks. I don't know about you. I hope he's doing the same. I feel like he's taking the wheat and he's throwing it up in the air and he's separating with the wind the wheat from the chaff. And hey, who? Glory. All the kernels are falling back to the ground. The chaff is blowing away. I feel such a depth of repentance in my walk the last week. It's good. I like it. Hallelujah. I feel like he's really scouring deep the pan inside. Glory to God. Why? Because we've we got to be containers for this glory. We need an insulation layer for this glory that's coming. We were on the streets last night, and we all said simultaneously, we need signs and wonders to wake up those young people on Broadway. That's, uh, folks, I mean, I, we go out there and figure out nice ways to try to catch their attention. But, you know, we need some signs to point them in the right direction and get them wondering. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. I mean, last time we were witnessing some guys, and uh, there was one kid, 18 years old, and I asked him if I could pray for him because he wasn't open at all to the gospel. He said he was an atheist, you know, and... and uh, they're into the gothic stuff, you know, pagans, whatever. I began to pray for him, and I got a word of knowledge, a very, you know, read his mail. And I didn't want to say it, and the Lord said, you need to say it. So I said it out loud to him. And he says, what are you, man, what's going on here? When I said that, he was stunned for the next 30 minutes. It was a word of knowledge that read his mail, and I was embarrassed to give it out, but I had to give it to him. Hallelujah. Change his whole countenance. Brought a conviction upon him. That's what we need. We need a, some messages that will pierce the sinner. And it's such a low level that we're operating at. We need a deeper level. Amen? Like Finney walks into a city. The whole city just fall on the ground, rolling around under conviction. Pierce their conscience. Hallelujah. With the truth of the message. Hallelujah. Amen? For, us that, for that to happen, we have to have a firewall of protection from the glory realm. We've got to have some death and repentance continually working and flushing us. And a layer of insulation on that electrical line, folks. We're, we're talking about the big leagues, okay? This is no longer minor league excitement. This is big leagues. This is what we're asking God for. It says here in verse 17 that the man of God may be a, and the woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. I looked up the Greek word equipped today in the hotel room. It means a rescue boat fully supplied. To have a wagon fully, full, full of supplies or a rescue boat fully supplied. So God wants us to be fully outfitted rescue boats when we go out in the streets. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 2 of chapter 4, preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Again, two-thirds of Scripture is for a rebuke. With great patience and instruction. Here it comes again. For time will come when they'll not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they'll accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. 
and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. You didn't know Paul talked about this that much. I didn't know either until today. <laughs> Paul's going after the devil by talking about speculations and myths and genealogies and controversies. But you, be sober. This is the imperative tense. Be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry, or another way to say it, stay focused. Glory to God. Whew. Now in Titus, the same thing comes up. Verse 14 of chapter 1. We'll start at verse, actually verse 12, as I quoted that earlier. Verse 12 of chapter 1 of Titus, next book over. One of themselves, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. For this cause, reprove them severely that they may be sound in the faith. Not paying attention to Jewish myths and commandments of men who turn away from the truth. Going on down here into chapter 2, verse 9. Chapter 2, verse 9. If I'm going too fast, just holler. Urge bond slaves to be subject to their own masters and everything, not to be well-pleasing, not argumentative. Excuse me, in everything to be well-pleasing, not to be argumentative. Wow, that's awesome. Not pilfering, but showing all good faith that may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in every respect. Paul is so concerned about right doctrine and right teaching here. To all of his understudies before he leaves the planet. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men instructing us to deny ungodliness. I looked at the word instructing. It doesn't mean just for me to get up here and teach you something. It means training. It's the same word used of training your children. Isn't that amazing? Train your child in the way he should go and when he's old and not depart from it. It's, a, it's, a, it's work, isn't it? So Paul is using the same word here, training us to deny ungodliness. Whoa! It's a strong word. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Worldly desires to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 9 of the next chapter. But shun foolish controversies. Amazing and genealogies, and strifes, and disputes about the law. For they're unprofitable and worthless. Reject a factious man after a first and second warning, knowing that such a man is perverted and sinning, being self-condemned. Now I said all these things to you in these three books, called Pastoral Epistles, to say that our main stronghold we have to go after in this region is speculations. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul talks about the same issue with the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Amen? I wait for that lovely sound of rice paper to continue, keep turning there. 
2 Corinthians 10 and verse 3. We've got to find the command center. Where are the, what is the superstructure of strongholds over people's lives? Because the God of this world and this region has blinded the mind of all these Canadians from seeing the light of the glorious gospel. Amen? See, I'm interested. See, I want to find out what the fish will bite on. Amen? I want to find out what makes them tick. I want to find out how to get inside their heads and cast those devils out of them. Hallelujah. To speak a word anointed by the Lord. To pray, to believe God for a, a massive, not just revival, but an awakening. Amen. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. I like that. Hallelujah. Now you would first of all think when I'm reading that, where's the fortress in this city? Maybe it's the occultic bookstores over there. Maybe it's that religious institution. Maybe it's this place. I'd like to re-challenge your minds tonight and say, I believe the strongholds are not those places. I believe the strongholds are the next verse, which is, we are destroying speculations. And every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Messiah. I'd like to share with you maybe a new concept you never heard before. That the strongholds are in the people's minds. It's their thinking processes. Now, when I was in Tulsa, we had what was called groaning meetings. All these intercessors would come together, and we ever start groaning. A lot of it was in the flesh, a lot of it was good intentions, just a little bit was in the spirit. And we had to be corrected, because we were just groaning and trying to pull down principalities and powers. And during that time, Brother Hagin rewrote that book, The Triumphant Church, which you need to read, The Triumphant Church. Have you ever read that or reread it again? Great balance on spiritual warfare. You know, I was a part of, of a group going up to the top of the city of faith. 60th floor and praying over Tulsa. Out of good intentions, folks. <laughs> good intentions. But it wasn't based on doctrine. It was just a speculation. Amen? I, I'm not, you know, some preachers won't admit that. I'll admit it. Hey, we did all kinds of Jericho marches. We go into the cities and try to find out the ruling demon was, you know? Pray around and fast, you know, and get all this hocus-pocus, spooky stuff, you know. And then wonder why after all that praying and fasting, the city was still the same, didn't change. To keep doing the same thing over and over is a sign of mental illness. By keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results is a sign of mental illness. I go to one conference, you know, and I come back with special spectacles, you know. I got a new revelation of spiritual warfare, you know. I'm not here to trash anybody's ministry. Hear my heart now. I read a book, you know, This Present Darkness, and I was looking for demons behind every bush. Suddenly, my spiritual warfare concept became on a, a fictional book by an author. I began to see demons behind every bush. I was seeing so many demons and I was fighting them so much I wasn't out there preaching the gospel anymore. 
Then I got a hold of this guy's book who, uh, he was a former pilot for TWA Airlines and he had bought a airplane and, and he was going up in, 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 into the heavens having these, going over cities and having you know, this 727 that he, that he now owned full of intercessors and praying. I thought, wow, man, I'd love to do that. Out of good intentions, okay? But after a while, just, you know, after a while of just spinning my wheels, you know, after a while you want to say, Lord, where's the beef, you know? We go to, you know, certain really, you know, you know, biker type bars and witness, you know, and we'd walk around the place and we'd really tell you the truth, we would have a hit and miss success ratio. We'd go to one gay bar and we'd preach there and, and, and the next week the thing would burn down. We're like, praise God. <laughs> we go to the next place and it was still, it's still in operation today. You know, I, I think about these things a lot. You know, I don't know about you. You know, I, like last night, I was a little bit frustrated, to tell you the truth. Because we did witnessing, you know, and I was just waiting for an opening, and there really wasn't a whole, there was a couple, you know, divine encounters, that one lady, and, you know. But, you know, I just want to, I'm hungry for people to get saved, Amen. folks. Amen. Hallelujah. And we have the truth. Amen. And we have to be able to speak, and the conviction of God comes so strong, and the love of God. That they have to make a decision to get hostile or get saved. No more of this wishy-washy stuff. So I, I, you know, I check on myself today. I say, Lord, you know, anything wrong with me? You know, and the Lord began to send me on this little journey. I'll share with you. Hallelujah. Destroying speculations. So we see that the main fortresses are not the witchcraft centers, or the New Age center, or the occultic, or whatever, but it's the speculations over regions. You know, people think differently in Vancouver than they do here. I thought about this really strong. I was at Washington for Jesus. They invited me uh, uh, last year to go to Washington for Jesus 96 and blow the shofar to conclude the, the, uh, this event. And uh, we got there, and there's a brother named Clem Clement. Uh, Ken Clement from South Africa, prophetic type guy, and he got up there on the stage, and this really opened my horizon to real true spiritual warfare. He got up there, and he began to sing, America, it's raining on you, and it was a clear day, and suddenly it began to rain as soon as he began to sing this thing, and believe it or not, the, the Christian TV producers got so upset at him. Because, look at this guy, he prophesied rain, now it's raining all over our equipment. <laughs> Who cares about the equipment? It's powerful, you know. And then, you know, Betty Hinn came on, God bless him, and he began to pray for the sick. As soon as he prayed for the sick, the sun came out. It was just tremendous, you know. But before this all happened, this brother named Ken Clement got on there, and he began to sing, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Da, na, na. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Da, na, da, na, na. And he was going on and on. And he just said, I defy you, Satan, over Washington, D.C. and over America. And you could feel the crowd go, oh, don't do that. Ooh. <laughs> like a bed of oysters just closed up. And then he, he stopped the music and said, Listen, don't be scared of him. I'm just prophesying what Jesus already prophesied about him. 
Don't be scared of him. I'm not looking for a fight, but don't be scared. Don't be scared of him. And I begin to realize that a lot of believers, including myself, there is a certain area of fear about spiritual backlash. I encountered that a lot. We'd be driving down the street, and I want to blow the shofar in front of the, uh, you know, or witness, go inside and witness, or blow the shofar, whichever is better at that time, in front of the uh, psychic uh, palm readers. And I have Christians tell me, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. So-and-so did that, and this is what happened to him. Well, I don't care about so-and-so. I'm not based upon other people's experience. And the Holy Ghost quickens me. I'm going to do it. Hallelujah. Praise God. So get over that fear. Amen? But he had been to say these things. I said, boy, that's so interesting. Then later we blew the shofar. It was a tremendous time. I went back to Delaware and I opened up my Greek linguistic key. I went to look at that scripture that he was singing. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Open up a whole new thing to me. Let's look at this. Luke chapter 9. Verse 10. Luke 10, 17. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, we kind of identified some strongholds that are speculations, you know, people have. Have a form of godliness, religion, whatever. Now we're going to talk about how to eradicate them. <laughs> Luke 10 and verse 17 and the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Hallelujah. And he said to them, Jesus did, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. And then Jesus at that very time rejoiced greatly. I like to have been at that party right there. Jesus rejoiced greatly in the Holy Ghost and said, I praise thee, Abba, Lord of heaven and earth. Let us hide these things from the wise and intelligent and just reveal them to babes. Yes, Father, it was well-pleasing in thy sight. And he goes on talking about these things. The first thing you have to understand in spiritual warfare is you've got to humble yourself as a babe. Be simple and childlike. Amen? Now, at Washing for Jesus, there was a big emphasis. And please, don't misread what I'm saying here. And don't get upset with me. There are some very popular intercessors at this Washington for Jesus rally. And they invited us to come and blow the shofar because they were doing a big Jericho march around the, the National Capitol building. Hundreds of thousands of people came to take Washington, D.C., quote, quote, okay? I'm all for it, okay? Hear my heart now. I'm there in the front line with them, amen? I love radical things like that. And so we start marching around the Capitol seven times. Thousands of believers praying. After we marched around the Capitol seven times, we did it on the basis of somebody's book. Anyway, this person was orchestrating the march, okay? If anything should have happened, it should have happened right then. 
Guess what? Nothing happened in Washington, D.C. Poof! Nothing. All it was was a big Christian healing meeting. That's all it was. Clinton was still reelected. Enough said, okay. And I finally, it got my attention saying, Lord, this was the most millions of dollars were spent to take our country and nothing happened. And they say, oh yeah, well, it happened in the spirit. Give me a break. Speculations, myths, experiences, not the word of God. Now, I began to recognize that I had so much knowledge about spiritual warfare that was based on myth and speculation. And I needed to return back to the simple gospel like a child to understand what it means to take a region like these 70 did and the 12 did. Amen? Turn the whole world upside down. Okay, here we go. Stay with me now. Verse 18 says, he said, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And I said, wait a minute. That's present tense. Watching. Jesus didn't say, I, I saw Satan fall. The Greek is, it's present tense. I was watching Satan fall. And I said, wait a minute. I thought that happened eons ago when Satan rebelled. You know, he rebelled. You read in Isaiah and Ezekiel. He rebelled and he was kicked out of heaven. And eons ago, that's when Jesus saw Satan fall like lightning. But here's present tense. So I opened up my Greek linguistic key, and this is what it, it says. Ready for this? <laughs> the present tense points to what's constantly repeated. Every expulsion of demons means the fall of Satan. The perfect point, the perfect tense points was constantly repeated. Every expulsion of demons means the fall of Satan. Docimile over the earth right now is principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. Amen? Ephesians 6.12 says that. Amen? So when we go out and simply preach the gospel... Tell people the good news, heal the sick, cast out devil, devils. That's when Satan's kingdom crumbles. It's not putting aside intercession now. That's all important. But what I've noticed in spiritual warfare in the 80s and into the 90s now is there's too much emphasis doing a lot of these reconciliation meetings, which are good, prayer Jericho marches, all these things, but not enough preaching the simple gospel. The most powerful weapon we have to break down the speculations and strongholds in people's minds of this region is simply preaching the gospel and linking it up with signs and wonders. That's it to spiritual warfare. Woo! hey <laughs> Takes all the pressure. I don't have to do a 40-day fast anymore. Hallelujah! <laughs> That's a relief to me. Intercession isn't meant to guide the church. It's a ministry of helps. Yeah. To help what? The fivefold ministry deliver the word. So you guys go out and deliver the word out there. The power is in the proclamation of the good news. 
The only offensive weapon we have is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So every time you go out, like last night, and you lead somebody to the Lord, or you drive out a devil, or heal the sick, part of Satan's kingdom begins to crumble again. Until eventually that dude himself will fall down to the earth. Look at Revelation 12. Before I read Revelation chapter 12, I just need to tell you again, by repetition, spiritual warfare is simply preaching the good news and linking it with signs and wonders. Now, if that's not true, and these other good, well-meaning endeavors to do spiritual warfare over regions. Now listen, I have no problem with that. Listen, we've done that stuff in New York City, trying to go after the ruling spirit over the city, and I found out that the ruling spirit was not demons over New York City. It was the preachers. There's one preacher said, you're not going to have revival unless I'm a part of it. How dare you come in my city? <laughs> now, Paul went to Mars Hill in Athens, right? That, you think that place is full of ruling spirits? I mean, full of devils? Of course. Yeah. But Paul doesn't get up on the mountain and start doing all this hocus-pocus intercession and try to pull down the demons. What did Paul do at Mars Hill? He preached the gospel. That's all he did. But Satan's link down here with the lost, the people that are blinded, is the speculations. That's the only link Satan has to operate through people, is the speculations, the mindset, the, the mindset, the way people think. And if we can break that through teaching and preaching the word, hey, praise God, we've got most of the job done. Paul didn't get up there and start doing all this stuff, get in an airplane and fly over Mars Hill and start fasting and praying and pulling down the ruling spirits. You have a lot of pull down up there, you know. He came right there in the throne of Satan, the Mediterranean Empire, and just preached the gospel to the unknown God. Hallelujah. A lot of believers having a well-meaning reconciliation meetings with the Indians, the natives right now. I have no problem with that, but I'm not going up there to try to find a battlefield where treaties were broken and start doing all this intercession, folks. I'm going to preach the gospel to the natives and the Canadians and the Quebecers and not sit there and do all this stuff. It's wasting time. You understand what I'm saying? I know, but I've done it a lot. <laughs> You know, I get around some intercessors, you know, I just like, ooh, keep them away from me. Ooh, spooky. I mean, I used to be spooky. Oh, did you feel the intercession? Did you feel that oppression in the building we walked in? At times I couldn't even, you know, I walk in a place, I couldn't even go and go to places because I was, oh, this is, no, 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 this is taboo there. No, no, no. My wife bring home a piece of furniture from India, you know, a wicker, you know, type chair. Made in India by devils. Get rid of this thing. 
Let me see that picture. Made in China. Get rid of it. Oh, just burn the whole house down. <laughs> yeah, it was spooky like that. Then the revival came and knocked me straight. Hallelujah. Now, last night we saw in the occultic bookstore, we saw things that, of course, can carry devils, you know, there in the window. But I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. Don't get so concerned about this present darkness and this, this present glory that's about to happen. Paul simply preached the gospel and linked it with signs and wonders. And I think all this energy that's gone into writing these books and having these warfare conferences, you know, people get off, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I've been in warfare conferences where people begin to sing, and they get out there, and it is flaky, man. Yeah. I mean, it is, ooh, come back, come back. <laughs> and people, well-meaning Christians, get out in, into revival meetings, and they start howling like dogs. I've been to them. I've seen them. They howl like dogs. Did you know that the Greek word for imposters, that's talking about sorcery, means to bring incantations by howling? Wow. Yeah, not everything supernatural is from God, folks. No, not at all. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've been to meetings, people howling like dogs, barking. Well-meaning. Yeah. You know, if you do that here, we'll take you to the dog pound. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but not every manifestation. <laughs> we have to balance them. You know, before, we had to get people to yield just a, a tongue interpretation, you know, in service. Now, now we just can't get too far on the other side of the, of the road. Amen? Be very careful. That's why I appreciate about Brother Rodney is that he really took a strong stand and said, listen, when I was in Africa, man, we saw demons do that. And I see some of that stuff going on here, and you say, this is the river? I don't know what river this is. This is not the river of God. So you have to be very careful about certain things. Amen? Hello out there. I'm not anti-revival. I'm not anti-renewal. I'm just telling you the truth. I just don't let anybody lay hands on me. I don't know where their hands have been. Yeah. <laughs> we're at a very large church that's in renewal, and, and, and we're laying hands on people, and, and uh, there's a guy following behind, laying hands, and, and he's not wearing a sticker, but you know, I thought maybe he's kosher. He looked kosher, you know. Yeah. You know, Satan comes as an angel of light. You know that, don't you? Yeah. His ministers are transformed as ministers of righteousness. And I'm praying for people, and I'm just praying for people. And every time I pray for them, and every time he touches them, I feel like this negative, yucky stuff, you know? You know, like anti-anointing, you know what I mean? I feel like this person's getting touched, and then you come over and touch them, and they get slimed. You know what I mean? And I'm like, who are you? I just, he, I said, do you on staff? He goes, oh, no. I said, who are you? He goes, oh, my name's so-and-so, I'm Jewish, and, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I want to share, you know, my ministry with you. I said, okay. So I made to talk to him, you know. Everybody would wait for a while. What do you do? He goes, well, I'm into um, aura and extrasensory perception healing. I said, you are. Go sit down. <laughs> I 
And my wife hollers at me and says, Honey, I got another one over here. What is it? This guy's a warlock. He's a male witch coming into the service. And nobody's screening these people. So you think leadership is too be, being too controlling. We're not trying to be controlling. We're just trying to keep you safe. Because, you know, they just cleared me tonight and said, listen, you feel something rub you raw in the spirit, you have to feel free to deal with it. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. That's what caused the Azusa Street revival to go off. If you study history, all the spiritists came in and threw it off. And it's not going to happen here in our day. Amen? Because we're going to know the word and we're going to know the Holy Ghost so well that when the counterfeit comes, you don't have to teach about it. You just know. You just know the counterfeit. And you'll know when it's the people just in the flesh, you know, and you'll have a chance just to calm them down a little bit and love on them. And other times you'll know when planted emissaries of Satan will come. Because they'll come. Don't think they won't come. Ushers, be prayed up. Hallelujah. If we just motion our hand at somebody, go and take care of them out there. Hallelujah. Because once you get rolling with revival, I guarantee you, you probably had experience with them already. I don't know what got me off on all that subject there. But anyway, it's good anyway. Listen. I sensed in this city that the mind of the young people is just like, just freeze-dried. How many people are out there with this on Broadway? Some of you, did you see some of those kids out there talking to them? I mean, I used to be bad when I got saved. I was a drug dealer, but some of these kids, I mean, they have no morals. I mean, I had a little bit of morals. They have no standard. We were talking to a girl, a lady last night, she's a lesbian, and we're witnessing to her. She's a minister. And she kept on repeating, you know, what their church believes. And all she's done is wrapped her head with speculations and false doctrine to keep away from her conscience convicting her for her lifestyle. And that's what we're going after. Minister the word, it breaks down that speculation. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Revelation 12 and verse 7, there is war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war. If the dragon and the angels, excuse me, and the dragon and his angels waging war. And they were not strong enough, there's no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who was called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Satan's only way to deceive the world is by a lack of knowledge. The people out there, the Buddhists, the New Agers, all they need is a knowledge of God's Word. And let the Word of God do its work. That's why I'm concerned last night, and that's why I was praying a lot this morning. There's a whole generation of young people who, who know nothing about God. Nothing. Nothing. Just empty screen, empty folder. And you're the, you are the ambassadors go out there and share the good news. Amen? Now it says here, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them before our God day and night. So presently Satan's kingdom is set up you know, it's enthroned over the earth, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. How is he going to get thrown down? Preaching the gospel, casting out devils, 
Each time, every time a devil's cast out, it means a fall of Satan's kingdom. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Dun, dun, dun. It's that simple, folks. There's coming such a deluge of the move of God and the preaching of the gospel in these last days. Hallelujah. Signs and wonders. That boom, boom, boom. Just crumbling his empire. And I don't care what their names are. I don't care how many there are. We're just going to preach the gospel. Does this help anybody tonight? Hallelujah. It's simple. Just get prayed up in the morning, go out and share the good news, and God will download signs and wonders inside of you to rescue the lost. Hallelujah. And I'll conclude with verse 11. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb, because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even to death. Praise God. We've already got two-thirds of it's already done, folks. The blood of the Lamb, a lot of us already know about the word, confessing the word, amen. If not, you need to get into Bible school or whatever, get all the books you can on confession, learn about how to confess the word of God if you're a new believer. And the third, I think it's the most difficult, which is not even loving your life even to death. There's something about it when you begin to die to self and get emptied, that greater resurrection power comes. Paul says, I die daily. Death works in me, but life out for the people. Hallelujah. Always bearing about in my body the death of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifest for you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, I delivered what you want me to share tonight. I pray that it brought encouragement to people, correction, comfort, edification, Father. That we're going for simply to preach the gospel. Link it with signs and wonders, Father. The intercessors are back praying for us, for the open door of the utterance to be made. That you would open men's hearts to hear the gospel. We think the entrance of your word brings light, causes the darkness on men's minds to, dis to evaporate, that they'll see your goodness, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for being a part of Rivers in the Desert International, listening to our message today to you. 
Perhaps you have a friend, perhaps yourself are sitting there and wondering, where would I go if I died today? We'd like to give you a great privilege of praying with us and leading you to a knowledge of Jesus the Messiah. The Bible says if any man or woman would call upon the name of Jesus, they would be saved. The Greek word for saved is healed, delivered. It's a wonderful promise. You're there now in your automobile, perhaps at home listening. Go ahead and pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me of my sins. The Bible says if anybody would call upon your name, they would be saved. I'm calling today, Lord. Save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Take all of my sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Father, I'm coming running home to you now. In your name I pray. Amen. If you'd like to contact us in our ministry, you may do so by writing us at Rivers in the Desert, P.O. Box 2788 in Alpharetta, Georgia, 30023 in the United States of America. Our ministry phone number is 770-777-0143. Of course, you can reach us anytime, 24-7, at our website contact page at www.flashfloods.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. We are here to help equip you to be tactical warriors in this hour, to wake up this church, to win and disciple lost souls, and to take out terrorism of all forms. God bless you. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Shalom, shalom. Shalom.